0: Episode 5 of the Avatar Hour podcast, the show where we discuss all things Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And this week we will be discussing episode 3 of season 1 of The Last Airbender with the Southern Air Temple and episode 4 with the Warriors of Kiyoshi. Now, before we dive into this episode, we do want to let you know that this podcast will be discussing full spoilers for both Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra. However, you are free from spoilers regarding any Avatar universe, comic books, and also The Rise of Kiyoshi and The Shadow of Kiyoshi books. So, Andre, how are we doing this week?
1: I'm doing good. Um, The day we're recording this is the day where all of the DC fandom stuff is happening, and that's just been my Twitter timeline the entire day um i'm not much of a dc fan but i'm i'm very excited for um some of the new stuff that's that's coming out particularly uh wonder Woman 1984 yes really i saw the trailer that um looking forward to like the new suicide squad that they're gonna do with james gunn i hope it's a lot better than the first one but
0: i hope they honor birds of Prey, though let's be honest like i hope yeah
1: is so good they cannot yeah, i'm mostly birds going to see it for yeah my queen harley but but yeah, been a pretty, pretty eventful day. How are you? How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I moved into my new apartment. I'm back at school. I start school next Wednesday, which is, you know, exciting and also, you know, kind of nerve wracking, uh, mm. you know, going to school during the pandemic. Uh, sure. Always a fun time, right?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Ooh. And also Yay. I start grad school this semester, too. So I'm like, it's kind of like when people ask me what year I am, it's kind of hard for me to answer that because I'm like kind of right. a senior and kind of not. I technically only have one more class after the semester of my bachelor's degree. And then, so that's it for my undergrad. But I start my grad, I have like two grad classes this semester. So
1: gotcha. wish
0: me luck, guys. I need it. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah, so before we talk about the episodes, we have some news items to get out of the way. So um, the fallout from Bright's exit from the Netflix live action series continues in a furor. Um, there was a fan petition that surfaced this past week titled, demand cultural representation and age appropriation in Netflix's at live action series and it's been making the rounds and has garnered uh when I was doing the doc over 20,000 signatures um and I actually <laughs> signed the petition as well um, cuz I was like you know why not you know can't hurt um the more I was thinking about it I'm like I don't know do you think I don't think Netflix has ever really been petitioned in this way Do you think it'll have any effect, in your opinion?
0: I think kind of yes and no. I mean, Netflix has Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. They are the number one shows on Netflix right now, or at least one of the top shows on Netflix right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, clearly they know how rabid this fan base is, let's be honest. But at the same time, signatures won't mean much, but money will. So a mass amount of people start unsubscribing from Netflix then maybe they'll definitely start listening, but I'm not really sure about like how much effort and impact a set of signatures would have.
1: Well, I mean, the problem is like even if there was like a mass unsubscribing campaign, that does not do very much in the grand scheme of things because the the, the contingent who will unsubscribe solely because of um, this Netflix live action is such a small percent in the grand scheme of things for Netflix. I doubt they will notice it um but in terms of whether or not this petition will have any effect it's hard to tell because we don't know what's already been decided and what contracts have been drawn up and what is past the point of no return um some argue that nothing when you're producing a tv show is past the point of no return but i don't know i don't really know i think Netflix knows what it looks like to have the the creators leave the show. But weirdly enough, I don't see them do doing a lot of damage control for it. They did have last week. That's that anonymous Netflix spokesman be like, we're positive that we can, you know, do the, the show without the creators. Well, that's not what they said, but paraphrasing here, but they did, they did say that. But other than that, there hasn't been a lot of damage control. And I think it's, they don't want to mention it a whole lot. Um And they're sort of hoping that the fear will die down. And I think it will. But yeah, this past week has, has definitely been um, a very eventful one in the fandom. Um So much so that even actor Greg Baldwin weighs in on Brack's departure as well. And for those who don't know, uh, Greg Baldwin actually took over the role of uncle Iroh in season three of Avatar after the original voice actor uh, Mako, iwamatsu sadly passed away um he took to twitter to air his thoughts and um this is just one or two of his tweets It was a whole thread but he says i don't know if i trust netflix to create a decent adaptation of atla without the creative vision and input of its creators i worked at studios for many years once the suits weigh in on a project and start pissing on it to justify their jobs everything goes to shit ouch so not mincing words here no yeah and Don't I mean
0: Uncle Iroh. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I oh Jesus, Uncle Iroh. Um <laughs> needs some tea.
0: He needs some tea. Um some Jasmine tea guys, but he, also yeah. he's he's also
1: know. kind of right though. Like <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. he is,
1: he, he's not wrong, you know. He deserves a cup of tea to relax and also like to reward him for such a scathing statement. Like <laughs> I'm not surprised that he was mostly the only voice actor to come out and, and say something like that. I because I think it's it's weird to go up against Netflix like when the whole JK Rowling thing came out and like literally all of the actors that were in the films were coming out and being like no trans women are women. I know this is not the same thing, but in terms of like people who were involved in the series coming out and being like ooh this is not good Netflix. Um yeah, I didn't I didn't expect anyone from the show to come out and say it, but clearly clearly
0: well, in happier news, uh, we also wanted to share a new review we got on iTunes from Man. So far, this is one of two podcasts I actually listened to, the second being Dead Meets Podcast, and I love it. The hosts have a lot of interesting discussions about the episodes of the Avatar and Legend of Korra shows, and there's podcasts every other week that are focused more on a concept of the series than any particular episode. Great podcast. Listen to what you pepperonis. 10 out of 10 <laughs> would listen again. So you heard him, you know. If if your friends don't listen to it, share it. Thank Thank you for the review.
1: Yeah, I do want to point. I do want to clarify. We're not reading reviews to like pat ourselves on the back, but I just love listen to it, you pepperonis. (laughs) We just had we just had to include that, and it was hard not to do it (laughs) without context. But listen to it, you pepperonis. Jeez.
0: (laughs) We also just read the reviews because we wanted to appreciate you know all of the people who enjoy the show as much as we enjoy making it we just want to you know share our you know appreciation for any and all people who have shown this much enthusiasm for the show Mm -hmm. if you listen to the show on itunes and you like what you hear um give us a rating and review ratings and reviews help us get more people listening to the podcast and that really helps us out plus you know it makes us feel good when we get a nice review you know just a little bit (laughs) And if you don't listen on iTunes, then you can share the links to wherever you're listening to the show from on social media. We really want to be able to reach as many people as possible who love these shows just as much as we do. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, we wanted to celebrate something today. We got 335 total plays for this podcast at the time this is recorded.
1: Actually, at the time this is recorded, we have uh three hundred and
0: fifty five. Oh, it went up. Okay, yeah. Then it went the up. time that I wrote the doc, that it was three hundred thirty five. Yes,
1: of course. And this this is one of the big things that we're trying to do with this podcast is really connect with as many people in the fandom as possible, because I think Avatar is only as interesting as its fandom, and the discussions that this fandom has are very very interesting and span the entire range of human emotion. Um, but we also wanted to remind you guys about where you can get in touch with us. If you want to send in your thoughts about this episode or any other episode we've aired before, you can email us directly at at gmail.com and we will read your email on the air, if you let us, and give you a shout out. And if you want to follow our social media accounts to see what we're up to during the week, stay tuned to the end of the episode for those socials. Okay, so let's get into it. The main two episodes, we're talking about the Southern Air Temple and the Warriors of Kyoshi um so for this episode in particular the southern air temple episode we're going to be separating this the discussion by the a and b plots so the first half of this discussion we'll talk about zuko's b plot and then the other half will focus on um the gang at the southern air temple um and we'll probably end up doing we'll probably end up doing this for future episodes that do cut back and forth between plots so quickly um it just makes the discussion a little easier to keep track of Um, and this is sometimes something that the episode does. We won't be doing that for Warriors of Kyoshi because that doesn't nearly, it's not nearly as choppy as this one is. But anytime we we do talk about episodes like that, we'll let you guys know in advance so you know how to, you know, stay with the conversation. Um, but yeah, so let's get right into it. Let's start with Zuko and his uh, B-plot. Um, so Zuko and Uncle Ira arrive in this Fire Nation dock, city, town, don't know. Colony. And we meet the infamous Commander Zhao.
0: I mean, that guy's got, like, douchebag energy from the get-go. Like, just something about him just makes me immediately hate him as soon as I meet him.
1: I've always said this. I know that there are no white people in this show. But if there is going to be one white straight man, it's Commander Zhao. I just, I just, I know, I know a Commander Zhao. Commander Zhao has been my neighbor. Commander Zhao has been the people at the store that don't wear masks. They've been the Karens wanting to talk to the managers, just a whole lot. Um, But something that I learned for the first time actually is that I didn't know Jason Isaacs voiced Commander Zhao, who is most known for um, playing Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies. What? Um, Yeah, because I was like, I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) and it's only because I I watched like Chamber of Secrets like two days ago, and I was like, wait a second, is that? Yeah, and that's Jason Isaacs. I mean, this show
0: has, like, Mark Hamill in it as the Fire Lord, you know? So there's, like, some bigger names in this than we think. I mean, Korra definitely has a lot more big-name actors, for sure, Mm -hmm. but, you know, Avatar's got some pretty big names to it as well. You just gotta look for them, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is also, like, 2005, so that meant I'm reaching into my Harry Potter info now in my info bucket, but 2005, (laughs) this meant that Jason Isaacs was also filming, like, Goblet of Fire. I mean, he wasn't in it a lot, but they had to, like, they probably had to work with him or something because that was around the same time that those two productions were coinciding. But how cool. Super cool. I love Jason Isaacs. Fun fact. Fun
2: fact. Um,
1: so this is interesting how Zhao, his function in this season, is sort of supposed to be, like, the main big antagonist. Like, as far as we know, like, Zuko is still supposed to be our main antagonist, but... Zhao is the one that's sort of overarching the season the same way like Azula is season two's main overarching antagonist that seems to come in at like the most inconvenient times um, and Zhao definitely does that um, but he starts he notices that there's there's damage on their ship and he's like sort of squints at them and he's like so what happened and I love Uncle Iroh because he's just like Zuko's like Uncle tell him what happened and he's like <laughs> Zuko's a yes. shit liar yeah, he's a shit liar, but Uncle was like, yes, it was incredible. And then he turns to Zuko and he's like, what, did we run into something? <laughs> <Like, laughs> Doesn't even try to, like, come up with something. Like, the Dragon of the West cannot come up with, like, something that could possibly have done that much damage to the ship. I mean... And then was like, uh, yeah, we ran into uh Earth Kingdom ship or something. Um, It was just, Uncle Iroh's, like, little stuff in the background, I just, I just found it so funny, especially, like, cutting between like the very serious conversations Zhao and Zuko are having. Um yeah. But then so they're going their 10 and they're sort of talking about um more of of the Avatar and everything. And Zhao mentions something at the very beginning of that scene. He mentions that by the end of the year the Fire Nation will cease will seize control of Bossing Sei. And I wonder if this is like foreshadowing the drill episode a little bit. Like do you think that's what he's referencing?
0: I mean, considering how well thought out this entire show is, like how complete each of the story arcs are for every season, you know, everything's kind of a nice, neat bow at the end. I'm going to say, yes, this was definitely, definitely planned ahead of time.
1: Yeah, I think I think like they probably knew that 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 was eventually going to happen. They probably weren't thinking like, yes, it will be a drill. No, you know? <laughs> they probably
0: weren't at that point. But, you know, I mean, considering like the Earth Kingdom capital, that's going to be kind of an important place to be.
1: Right, and you can actually see the outline of Bossing say on that map, which is pretty cool. Um, again, details every- we love details, details, <laughs> details, details. Um, and then Zhao starts sort of questioning Zuko about the search for the Avatar, and then he essentially is like, "Okay, well, now that I know that you have the Avatar in custody, I'm gonna try and catch him now." And I'm wondering, can he do this? Because didn't Ozai? technically give that mission to Zuko even though it was like as you say in the notes like kind of a wild goose chase it was still like a mission handed down from the fire lord do you think Zhao can just like commandeer someone else's mission like this
0: I'm gonna say yes because he's uh I mean yes Zuko is technically the prince of the fire nation but he's a an exiled prince and B, mm-hmm. he's like how old is he the teenager right he's like 16 he's 16 yeah so clearly Zhao outranks him Minus, you know, the whole crown prince thing. He's a he's an exile, guys. Okay, we're just kind of he's kind of stripped of his royal title at the moment, kind of. And also, you know, Zhao's kind of a huge douche. So, and also, like it's you know, like it's kind of. I mean, like, like I said in the notes, like it's it, it was it wasn't intended to be like a legit mission. It was just more of like just send Zuko away because I think we already killed the Avatar anyway. And it seems like everyone. And actually, if you watch, if you pay attention in the episode, especially after knowing the motive is behind having him go out to fetch the Avatar. It's like almost everyone in the Fire Nation military knows, except for Zuko, that it's not really a legit
1: mission. Do you think so? Because I don't get the sense that people think the Fire Lords sent him on this wild goose. I mean, maybe, but...
0: But I mean, like I mean, like look at like like, with, like like talk about like what Zhao says about you know the Fire Lord later and his relationship with Zuka that he's you know his own father doesn't want him kind of thing. Like he kind mm-hmm. of has to have some idea that his father doesn't want him around, so he sends I'm, him off on some. Yeah, trip I'm just of
1: wondering if there was like a behind the scenes of maybe Zhao asking Ozai if he can take over.
0: I mean, how would they communicate with them? Like, how far are we from the Fire Nation capital? I think that we're pretty far off if they were able to get from, like, the Southern Water Tribe to probably, like, the Earth Kingdom's the next nearest, like, our Fire Nation conquered area. Probably, you know.
1: I don't know. I'd probably I'm would trying to make do, sense. I'm trying. To look at that. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably have to look at that map. But maybe there, it looked like some sort of just maybe, like, an island off off of the Fire Nation. I mean, the Fire Nation and the Southern Water Tribe are not that far apart. Um, but, yeah, my main question is just, like, I feel like if Zhao was going to take over this this mission that was handed down by the Fire Lord, I feel like there's some bureaucratic red tape that he probably had to go through first, either that or he's just that ignorant and be like, I'm gonna do it and then ask for for forgiveness later. I can yeah. see him doing that as well.
0: I mean, well, also he's like super arrogant and thinks he's definitely going to succeed over this scrawny kid that with a you know, you know, with a chip on his shoulder. And that's Mm -hmm. a a pretty size. That's a pretty big chip. Pretty big
1: chip. (laughs) Pretty big chip. The title of our new podcast. Um, Yeah. So obviously Zuko doesn't like this and challenges Zhao to an Agni Kai. First time um, you see this. Which is like super reckless and hot-headed of Zuko, but that's Zuko in a nutshell for most of of the show. Um, But when I was watching this, I was uh, interested to see if there's any sort of translation for Agni Kai. Um, And so I looked it up, and apparently, the term Agni Kai was created by using two already existing words. Um, So the first word, Agni, is actually Sanskrit, which means both fire and the deity, which presides over fire. And Kai is the Japanese word for meeting. So essentially, fire meeting, which is pretty cool. That is cool. And so... uh, Iroh sort of warns him, like, you remember what happened the last time you dueled a master, which, granted, Zuko didn't ask for that. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't challenge Ozai to an Agni Kai by any means. But here's my question. This is never really answered, but is an Agni Kai meant to end in someone's death? Like, are they meant to be battling to the death? Well, I mean, look at Zuko's case.
0: Like, his dad could have easily killed him when he, you know, when that happened. Personally, just this is my headcanon. I'm not sure how true this actually is. We'll have to ask Brike about this if we ever get the chance. But I think it's either to the death or someone yields or the person, you know, that's about to defeat the other person yields or whatever, like, you know, doesn't kill them or whatever.
1: You know what I mean? I'm just wondering, like, because it's because in Agni Kai, like, I get the sense that it's a very, um, sacred and traditional practice um i mean like if we're gonna compare compared to our history like the way people would duel in you know revolutionary times hi hamilton um and <laughs> yeah, that well, is very much like either to the time. death or someone yields so maybe yeah. it is supposed to be the same thing here but i mean we to to the knowledge of avatar and legend of korra we don't see an Agni kai that actually ends in death um so i don't know i'd I'd love to know more about that i wonder if the comics get into it at all we get yeah we get into the actual Agni kai um and this is quite a fight i will say
0: i mean it's the first fire on fire fight we've seen i mean we've only seen like fire and air a little bit of fire and water and now we get to see fire on fire you Mm -hmm. know literally fighting fire with fire (laughs) you know what kind of fight would that look like um yeah I mean something I mean like I'm by no means a fighting expert, but I like to think that I'm somewhat observant. Um and it was like, you know, Zuko strikes, especially like the first he like Zuko makes the first move, I think. I think he does.
1: Yes. Yes. And so he like
0: does. his strikes his first like couple strikes are powerful, but Zhao dodges them like easily, and then Zuko and I'm waiting for Zuko to get worn out, and then Zhao attacks Zuko. Um So, you know, I thought that was interesting to watch. Clearly, obviously, a more seasoned firebender versus a more hot-headed, literally, younger, greener, if you will, firebender. So you could definitely tell a difference between the two and experience levels.
1: Right, yeah. And um, just for a quick background on the inspiration for firebending, um, firebending is based... On the northern Shaolin style of kung fu, I wanted to research a little bit into this particular style of kung fu, and I think we could do an, an entire episode talking about um, the kung fu styles that influence the the different bendings for each element. But maybe um, we can even n-
0: ask like someone who's like an actual martial artist who studies this stuff who's also a fan of the show. Maybe we can. You That'd know. be cool.
1: I know they did have a couple of kung fu. Um, they had a, some consultants that. Would record videos of themselves doing the moves so the animators would have some reference. Um, so I think that's really cool. But the northern Shaolin style, in particular, it says, uh, this is from Wikipedia. So, um, it says this style of kung fu generally emphasizes long range techniques, quick advances and retreats, wide stances, kicking and leaping techniques, whirling circular blocks, quickness, agility, and aggressive attacks. So, yeah, that's yeah. that that pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much sums up firebending right there, especially the uh the wide stances I've noticed is is a very particular thing about about firebending. But I noticed that the way Zhao attacks, it seems to be very inspired by earthbending. Like some of the very like solid stances he takes, and like every step he's very like square and like rigid. And I'm wondering if you know maybe he picked up some. Earthbending techniques when he was in Wanching Tong's library. I also in think the that there's
0: well, also this is probably another way he could have done it, especially since like the Fire Nation is slowly starting to take over the Earth Kingdom. He's probably had to fight against Earthbenders. You True. Know? I mean, if you want yeah. to know how to fight, if you want to know how to fight someone, you learn how to you know yeah think like your enemy. So I'm sure that, like you know trying to conquer the Earth Kingdom mm-hmm. has definitely rubbed off on
1: him. It could be. It's also a little precursor of how some of the more advanced bendings take notes from all four different elements. um, Especially when we get to lightning bending, how that is Iroh developed that technique from watching water benders, you know? So I love the, the idea of how those bend, those elements overlap in technique and how they can be used together, not just by the avatar. So I think that was really cool, but
0: yeah. Then Zico uses the breakdancing dancing move, breaks his stance, just like Iroh tells him. And Zhao ultimately loses.
1: Yes. And when I watched this first, I was like, do, is it realistic that Zhao lost to a 16-year-old? What do yeah, you think?
0: I think, honestly, it was the arrogance. I mean, you see how, you know, pride go before the fall kind of thing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. ultimately what does Zhao in, let's be honest. Right. And uh, a giant fish spirit. But, you know, that comes later. <laughs> uh, I mean... Honestly, I just think he severely underestimated Zuko and clearly was not light on his feet. And, you know, ultimately, that's just what did him in for that one. I mean, if he was at, like, full capacity, like, fully ready to, like, fully fucking demolish this teenager into the ground, he Mm. wouldn't... He was kind of operating at half capacity for that one. He was kind of just like, you know, this will be a quick and easy fight. I'll just, you know, get some pizza afterward or
2: something. Yeah. Like, (laughs) remember what the Fire Nation
1: equivalent of pizza is. But I think, you know in the grand scheme of things, it might even be a, be a precursor to how Zuko underestimates Aang. Because I think uh, most of the time, I mean, Iroh says it himself, like you continuously underestimate the avatar because he's a 12-year-old kid. And I think it, it paints a really distinct picture of how bending is just because you're a, a certain age does not mean you are necessarily good at your bending. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's no hierarchy of age with bending. It is it is a individual and spiritual thing that is based on that person's personality and work ethic. That paints this big picture of how bending works. And I I think I think each episode just adds another stroke to how we're supposed to meant supposed to look at bending and how it functions in this world. Um but I think out of all of this, this B plot out of all of it, I think it's really interesting that we're, it's the third episode and we're in this plot and we're technically, like I said, meant to root for Zuko. Like everything about how the, that plot is framed, like the way Zhao talks down to him and the Agni Kai, like we're really supposed to root for Zuko, which is, I think a really interesting place to be in as a audience member. Cause you're not, you're not, really knowing how to feel and like what side to pick so i i just thought in the grand scheme of things i thought that was a really interesting way to go i'm gonna um,
0: really touch about zuko's redemption arc on this one i'm not gonna go too long about it i promise it's that yeah, there's like whole episodes we can do on zuko's redemption arc mm-hmm. but one of the things that makes his arc work is like Kind of putting him, putting him, uh, comparing him against other antagonists in the show, and showing that he is not as bad as they are. He is not as bad as Zhao. He is not as bad as Azula, you know, and he's not as bad as the Fire Lord. So mm-hmm. that kind of helps him make him a little bit easier to redeem because of that, you know.
1: Right. Yeah. So that's it for Zuko's plot. Let's let's go to the main plot, and that is the gang's trip to the Sun Air Temple. Um. So you know they're preparing for the trip, and Katara sort of warns Aang that you know the temple might not look exactly like how he left it and she does this multiple times and every time i think ang sort of brushes it off and it's kind of like i think you mentioned it two episodes ago how about how airbenders are characterized as like not really wanting to get into conflict in every sense of the word and kind of being like oh it's gonna be fine you know go with the flow like you know it's been a hundred years but you know it'll be fine being a little airy if you will or flighty being a little airy, yeah. Um I had, to, I had to make the
0: puns. I couldn't resist.
1: We love puns. <laughs> um and I wanted to this isn't a a big point, but like the soccer being hungry all the time. He's a teenager. Like, he's a teenager, I know, but it's like I don't I don't remember it being like this, like on the nose. And I know it's like also not the last time that his characterization is mostly like either sexist or hungry. <laughs> like
0: we know he gets better. Oh, my I God. Know, I know. The next know. episode proves it.
2: <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah. But I mean, like, I'm going to be honest, though. My brother, like, when he was around, like, Sokka's age, like, oh, my God, he would get into the worst moods because of how hungry he would get. Like, that guy, like, has a metabolism, like, nobody's business. Like, just yeah. consume. Get hungry. He gets ha- he gets the, the hangries real bad, and like when he's hungry, you f- fucking know he's hungry. You know he yeah. still gets like that sometimes. I mean, there's plenty of other reasons why my brother is a lot like Sokka, but I'm sure we'll have my brother on the show at some point. We can talk about that.
1: <laughs> Work, love that. Yeah. So they arrive at the temple, and Aang is sort of pointing out stuff like this is where the Arabison were, and this is where the lemurs were, um, and he kind of gets a little down because like you know it's not as it's not the same, and. Sokka and Katara pick up on that like immediately and they're just like okay we have we have to make him feel better because like they both kind of know like even before they find the helmet that this is not looking good <laughs> you know. I think
0: they try to let him down easy almost you know. Yeah. I mean it's also they're also kind of doing that with the audience too because like it's I mean like it kind of feels like this whole episode just the t- the tone shift you know it just you know that once Ang goes you like even if you haven't seen the show before, especially, you know, because I remember watching this the first time and like knowing that Aang was going to be in for it when it came to seeing what happened to the temple, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, I was just it was kind of like almost like a horror movie when you know something's going to happen. You're waiting for the jump scare. You're waiting for that. You're waiting to get punched in the emotions in this one. Right. <laughs> At least for me,
1: and I also remembered when I was watching is that we don't know at this point the first time that this is what happened to the airbenders. Like we just know that that they disappeared essentially. We don't necessarily know what happened to it and how the war affected him, uh, and the the airbenders in particular. But Sokka attempts to cheer Enga by playing some airball, which I think Sokka is at a distinct disadvantage because <laughs> they're you're. Definitely not able to play this without some form of air but
0: he kind of gets a little gets thrown around a little bit in this episode. Because then, like, uh, you know, then like Sokka gets knocked off. They find the fire b- bender helmet. Tells Katara, and then Katara, guitar- and then like ang's like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" And she's like, "Snow, like she bends the snow onto Sokka's head." She's like, "Oh, nothing. You know, look at that. I just knocked some snow over. That's a new water bending move." So you know, it kind of gets. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he get used
1: yeah. a little bit in this one. <laughs> We're just like, oh, God, he's going to find out. When is he going to find out? Um, yeah, it's that, that building tension through the episode that is, like, very subtle, but is it's also very present. Um, and then they happen upon this statue of Monkey Yatso. And we get this flashback. And Monkey Yatso tells Aang that when he is old enough to enter the air temple sanctuary, he will meet someone who will guide Aang on his journey. Okay. Now, when I, I don't remember this at all. <laughs> And I was like, Neither "Do I?" So like, obviously, we're talking about Roku here, but like, what does he mean? Like, he will meet someone who will guide Aang on his journey. Like, I'm assuming like Monkey Yatsu is like your past life will will help you, but I mean like Aang being twelve, being like, "Oh, there's a there's gonna be an actual person waiting for me, like with a cup of tea, and we're gonna talk about all the this Avatar stuff."
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I know Aang was supposed to be 16 when he finds out that he's the avatar, but, like, you know, considering how much, you mean know, 'cause because, like, Monkey Yatou's strip says, hey, like, you know, like, you were really young to find out about that you were the well, avatar. Well, that's the other
1: thing, because you as an audience member being, like, why was he told four years early? What's yeah. going on? And I love that. Like, Good. it's so, like, brushed aside that you almost miss it. But you're just, like, what is going on that he was told this early? Yeah.
0: So I mean like I don't know how old they or how ready they were expecting Aang to be to, you know, talk about, you know, to go talk to Roku or Kyoshi or any of the other past avatars. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I just thought I just thought it was interesting. And also those poor monks that were just chilling and they get the cakes get, on them and you get the sense that they do this like every day. Like <laughs> they like this is something they like practice. I don't know.
2: I
0: mean, like, you know, I I mean like I think part of what but part of the things that made the air nomads like unique was like their pranks and stuff and being kind of
1: carefree and goofy yeah and then the lemurs try to eat it and then you get the like weird lemur music that is infamous because it doesn't that particular like that burp, 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 that stuff does not last very long because literally a Nickelodeon producer went down to the studio and was like please stop using that it is haunting <laughs> me Please stop using that sound. And that's why you don't hear you like after like six episodes into season one, like you never hear it again. <laughs> it was I just, did like, not know this. This is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it was funny. That's why every time I hear it, I just I just find it super hilarious. Um and then they they get into the actual air temple sanctuary and they open it by airbending. Um and this is this is where I was just like, okay, wait a second. So like why were they waiting for Aang to get older to do this? Because it almost sounded like you can't go into the sanctuary because you're not powerful enough to open the door or something. Or like, am I reading that wrong completely?
0: Probably. I mean, well, considering the fact that Aang's a master and has his tattoos and things like that, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess maybe if he was able to open the door now, you know, when for him was only a few days before he left kind of thing, a few days after he left, you know, for him, for his timeline, I guess. I think we um, just
1: have a very loose definition of ready in this universe because I don't clearly. necessarily, <laughs> I don't necessarily know what what Giaza. Well, I mean,
0: and became a master at the age of twelve. I'm pretty sure that's not a very common thing. So you know,
1: so they get into the sanctuary and there's this essentially huge record of all the avatars, and I wonder if there are any other places in this world that have something like this, like some sort of unofficial record of all of the avatars that were have ever lived like what do you think
0: i mean i'm gonna say yes i mean i know that they and not that you can't be spiritual and be a firebender or can't be spiritual being waterbender that kind of thing but you know like Air and spirituality are very, very, very closely linked together. I mean, you know, you see it with Genora in Legend of Korra with her ability to astral project. Astral project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how closely that's just linked with spirituality. So that makes sense to have that, especially because you know reincarnation and all that. Yeah. Have that in the air temple. You know, because so it needs a lot of spirituality with the Avatar cycle. Mm-hmm. um And honestly i think yeah they have some sort of record you know maybe not statues filling a room type of thing yeah but you know like different you know some some sort of record i mean you saw when like when Anne goes into the avatar state light in the episode like all of the nations t- like all the different worlds temples just flare up you know
1: yeah and i don't know what what that's our <laughs> next point we'll we'll guarantee we'll get into that because i don't understand that but yeah. Um, But this in particular, this tells you a lot about how the Air Nation also viewed the Avatars and their role in the world. Like, it is very much, I feel like the, the Air Nomads and the Air Nation had a very different um reverence to the Avatar than perhaps maybe other nations in the world. Like, it, it's very much seemed like, I mean, I know, like, the Avatar is sort of, like, loosely based on, like, the Dalai Lama and that sort of thing, but... I just well, get
0: Yato from
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and I Tenzin. just I just get the sense that there's this like huge reverence for the avatar, especially for the Air Nation. Then we get this this line from Sokka and he's and he's like, "Past lives, you really believe in this stuff?" which is like it's so funny to me cuz like in the world where like people are like moving elements with their minds, like the concept of reincarnation is just like too unbelievable is just nope i'm draw the line there <laughs> you know i'm fine with people freezing water with their mind but i draw the line at reincarnation <laughs> clearly i mean you got to draw
0: the line somewhere right you know it's just like there's just too much craziness i can't handle it you know i'm just
1: a guy yeah. with a boomerang <laughs> <laughs> i didn't ask for all this water and magic he, I'm, if memory serves he does this for like most of the season so yeah. I just think it's really funny um, but then we get our introduction to Momo which like his shadow I mean like I guess I can see where why they thought it was the fire nation shoulder but like the tiny like body <laughs> the super skinny body I just love that they saw like the horns and they were just like oh my god it's fire nation like They're we traumatized go. kids
0: on go give him a break <laughs> I guess. <laughs> They've all been traumatized by the Fire Nation in the last, like, week. Give him a break.
1: <laughs> I guess, yeah. But this, this, you know, uh, Aang and Sokka go after uh, Momo for two different reasons. And this is where Aang finds Monkey Yatsu's corpse. And, first of all, dark for a kid's especially,
0: show. Especially going from, like, a lemur chase with those, like, you know, upbeat music and all of a sudden, dead bodies. <laughs>
1: Literally, literally like a lighthearted chase with a a very funny monkey looking thing. And then just like death, corpses,
0: like genocide.
1: It was a lot. It was a lot. Reality
0: check. Reality
1: check. check. Yeah, that it's literally a vibe check. Literally a vibe check. Oh, you thought you were having fun? Corpses, death, (laughs) genocide. (laughs) Jesus I should, I should not be laughing at this. Stop! <laughs> oh God. Um, but, but I teacher. noticed, I noticed on the on the second viewing, just like pausing and and like sort of surveying the scene. Um, Giyata looks like he took out a good number of Firebenders before a he went down. Like there a were lot. a lot of like, and, like dead bodies, even, like
0: charred, you know.
1: Like which is like down. interesting because I mean, uh, of course, we don't know this first time around, but we know that. The air nomads, for the most part, are, are a very peaceful and pacifist society. But, I mean, if they have to take out some bitches, they're, they have they're to. They're going to fuck
2: them up. They're going to fuck them up.
1: <laughs> they have to. I I wish, I wish like, one of the avatars was, like, when Aang was having the dilemma about whether I should kill the Fire Lord, they should have been like, uh, Monkey also took out all those firebenders. You can take out this one guy.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think Kiyoshi did a good enough job with that, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, so then... He enters the Avatar state and the paintings and buildings around the world glow. And I'm just, I don't know what this is. Like, is this the the rest of the world's record of the Avatars? I don't, like, I mean, what, I think what
0: is this? He wet, just because like, he reacts such an emotional, visceral way and that hasn't, like, the world hasn't seen anything like that with the Avatar state in, like, a hundred years, more than a hundred years
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe
0: that's kind of what triggered it because I'm like, if this goes off every time of the, uh, he goes into the Avatar state, like, I mean, imagine what it's like when korra goes in the Avatar state. She goes in the Avatar state every two seconds. and korra no offense, but she goes in the Avatar state a lot.
1: Imagine it's like someone in the in like the the water. God damn it, no again! I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> exactly, like the their window is open and the thing keeps like flaring, and they're just like, oh, the Avatar must be busy right now. I don't know. Like, I would have thought like something like that would have happened when. Aang came out of the iceberg and that, that yeah. beam shot up in the sky. I don't know why this specifically...
0: They just needed... I guess they just needed more people to realize the Avatar was back.
1: I
2: guess. Now. I just right now,
0: I guess. I, I just, just don't like, remember
1: that. See, in my memory, I remember that happening when Aang did come out of the iceberg. But did it not go off when Aang went into the Avatar state in the the latter half of episode two? Or was it just because like it was a super...
0: I think it's probably the most powerful we've seen the avatar state so far minus, you know, when he saves himself and freezes it into an iceberg kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's... I don't know. Like, the, the energy of the avatar state is enough to, like, span across the entire world. Like, I just... It is it's just... it seemed, confusing. It's just, like, it doesn't add up in a way that is very uncharacteristic of avatar. I just, if, you know, if you're listening and you know the answer, call in, because I would Please. love to know. I would love um, to know. Break, yeah. you're listening to this. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they're they're listening to this. Um, But yeah, and then Katara comes in and sort of calms him down, and I think that right there is sort of the beginning of their bond. I mean, like, also, like, Katara's, like, known him for a week, and he's like, we're your family now, which is, like, very 14-year-old, like... <laughs> okay and i love but i love i love it i'm not trashing it i'm lo- i, I was love gonna it
0: say like i'm like we're queer here we love a good chosen family story
1: right no i'm not trashing it at all but i just i just i just like the idea that they've known him for a week and they're just like you're our son you're like you're our brother now like i just love it
0: that's what happens when we go to a gay bar sometimes okay we walk out with a bunch of new friends and we're family now i guess that's
1: <laughs> true that's true that's right um and even uh, what I love is that um Sokka is also not like awkward about it either like I think in any other show it would have been like Sokka being like yeah I guess we care about you or something like that like but he's like he knows like it's not the time to like crack that kind of joke well cause... he does
0: kind of do that later when Toph like in season 3 when Toph's like do you really think friendships can last more than one lifetime I'm like wow and then it's like, like just stop it, Sokka. Hold hands with me.
1: <laughs> That's true. So he yeah. does do that
0: later. Believe me. There's, there's but it's not. Good. It's not the but same. Not right
1: not, now. Not oh, the same absolutely. Situation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But then it sort of ends with Aang kind of being like, "Yeah, I really am the last Airbender," which is it's on a downer. Like it's like you know, Momo jo- joins Team Avatar, um, and they're sort of flying away from the temple, and it's very much like it it's just it just leaves you in a weird spot as a viewer cuz you're like really really sad for this kid that's like lost his entire world essentially
0: well you'll be able to feel it a lot more as like the series goes on cuz there's plenty of episodes that t- touch on Aang's grief. I mean, let's be honest, his grief isn't exactly resolved here. And it's just kind of right ongoing pain that he experiences throughout the show and probably throughout the rest of his life, let's be honest.
1: Yeah. And I think I think he pro he's processing this like almost to the end of the show, um. And he he's it in a number of ways. And I think when we when he loses Apa, I think that's the way he re- reacts to that is a sign that he has not yet processed the loss the loss of his people. I
0: mean, Appa really is the last of his culture.
1: Yeah, it's all that all that he has left. It's it's Apa and Momo essentially, and the clothes he wears and the staff, but. Yeah, it's it's really all he has left, but I also wanted to point out that the music that plays when they're flying away is also our theme song. I was like, wait, wait a minute. Music. I
0: recognize that. And I'm like, oh my god, it's our theme music. I
1: recognize that. Um yeah, I just thought that was cool. That is um, cool. Cool. Well, that's that's episode 103. Um so yeah, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more of the Avatar Hour podcast after this ad. And we're back. All right, let's move on to the next episode the warriors of kiyoshi
0: in this episode the gang goes to kiyoshi island where ang realizes his celebrity status as an avatar and sako gets some of the sexism literally knocked out of him <laughs> yep he, he he forcibly drinks some respect women juice in this one
1: <laughs> he's force-fed that juice for he's sure force,
0: he's force-fed that juice so the episode opens with zuko trying to meditate and keep a level head but when iroh tells him they have no idea where the avatar is he briefly just Flares up and loses it. He says that they're clearly masters of <laughs> evasive maneuvers, which is like one of my favorite jokes in the show because it yes. cuts from like he's a master of evasive maneuver and then Sokka's like you have no idea where you're going to, you?
1: which is which is quickly followed up by like I know it's near water and then it cuts it's just <laughs> a huge expanse of water. <laughs> Oh, the comedic timing is just so funny. And then
2: it
0: covers, like, it's talking, like, oh, I guess we're close then. <laughs> <laughs> like literally one after
1: the other. Like, God.
0: It's so funny. This show the is funny, writing. guys. We go from like, you know, like talking about like, you know, a freaking genocide of entire culture. And now we're like, look at this great timing of comedic stuff. I love it. I love it. Um and then you know Sokka makes some sexist remarks and then gets his pants thrown back. Really in his face.
1: sexist remarks. Yes like, like about, don't like, talk to rules. women when they're sewing my pants. Like, hello? Ugh.
0: Yeah. But she threw his pants back in his face, so and he apologized eventually. So that's good. Um but Aang meanwhile keeps trying to get Katara's attention and show him like, hey look, airbending trick. You know, and she's like, yeah. you know, not not that into it, you know? <laughs> you know out of curiosity what i mean like you know i mean is it because that they've known each other for probably a couple weeks by now at the time that this episode takes place that she's like you know cool airbending trick i guess um i think it's
1: because it's like you know like uh look and you're like oh that's great but you're not even looking i said that's great i think it's just a setup for like um how quickly ang like uh gets into the idea of like the people of kiyoshi island like paying attention to him i think it's just some some setup for that
0: Also, that boy is smitten. He's he's absolutely smitten with Katara from the moment he meets her. Let's be completely honest here.
1: Oh, yeah. But also the Marbles thing is like, I don't think he does that in any other episode. I think it's just this episode that he does it. And it's literally like...
0: There is a reference to it in Cora, though.
1: There, that, yeah, the that's episode, what I was going to say. Korra, in the
0: episode Cora alone is a like, Cora Ch- runs into this merchant who uh, had a picture of Aang, and he has like the same <laughs> exact face and pose, and he's doing the marble <laughs> trick. But I think it's like with sushi or something,
2: something, like, something like else, that. something
0: small and like you know doing the, whoosh, you know, yeah. just picture just, the face. You know what I'm talking about. I, I can just <laughs>
1: imagine like 40 year old Aang being like, "Well, check this out, like whoosh, never gets old, <laughs> never gets old." Love that.
0: Yeah, so they land somewhere and find that Aang really wanted to come here because he wanted to ride the elephant koi and clearly still trying to get Katara's attention. But it looks like he's got a bucket list of other animals he wants to, you know, ride on because he wanted a penguin sled. He's riding the elephant koi. I think you remember he like in another episode, he's talking about, I want to go here and here and here. I want to go ride this animal. I want to go find this animal, you know.
1: This reminds me of, like, when I used to be on Tinder and, like, every guy was, like, looking for adventure. And I'm just like, does anyone just, like, want to stay in and not go anywhere? Aang is, like, the epitome of that for me. Like, <laughs> I would be so annoyed. <laughs> I would I would literally be stalking that situation of being like, we have a very limited time span to get the sun. I mean, I know they don't know about the comet just yet, but I'm just like, can we just get to the water tribe already? Like, why are we taking so many detours?
0: I mean, I gotta say, that with like Aang Katara's relationship, it is kind of sweet to see like the relationship kind of pick up here with the stupid, like sweet,
1: yeah. childish
0: puppy love kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I- I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. So, Aang's riding the elephant koi, you know, one of the many animals we get to see throughout Avatar and the unique animal character, you know, animal species and stuff. Elephant koi. That's cool. Koi are cool. Um, and then so while I was riding the elephant koi, a giant sea monster shows up and Aang runs on water, which I forgot he could do that. I did not know he could do that. Or at least I totally forgot because he just like he's pulls like a dash from the Incredibles and shoop, across the water to back to the beach. And then so yeah, he makes it back safely to the beach. And then, you know, we take a minute and then all of a sudden shoop, they get ambushed.
1: <laughs> yeah, this was this was funny because when they come to and it's it's, you know, it's women. And Sokka immediately is like, "Where are the guys that ambushed us?" And he's just like, "There's no way girls took us down." I'm just like, "Oh my god!" He deserves like (laughs) slapped. I know this episode was like Sokka being sexist, and and I know he gets his comeuppance and like he learns. But I'm just like, "Oh my god!" They're really like going for it, but and I think that's so like it's risky to do that in a children's show because you have to do it in a way where you like the young boys watching this don't accidentally pick up on that behavior and think it's okay well here's
0: the thing as soon as saka this is like as soon as saka says something sexist katara or someone else is like dude don't fucking say that you oh know? i know
1: i know i'm just saying so that like from kind of
0: shows like other characters in the universe don't approve of that kind of like talk
1: so right kind of yeah. shows
0: like to the younger guy the, you know, the younger boys they're like oh okay this isn't okay
2: you know. yeah
1: i'm just i'm just saying from like a writing standpoint like i w- i would be nervous or maybe even like a, a a producer might be nervous that boys might not get the message um but I, th- I think they do it in a way where like you know it's definitely like like you said anytime he says something like that another character is immediately like that's not cool don't do that yeah, yeah.
0: almost gets fed to the unagi which is the name of the sea monster and then guitar's like look my brother's an idiot just just let him go he's an idiot you know like don't don't listen to anything
1: he says (laughs) don't listen to him he's an idiot yeah
0: and then we learn a little bit about kiyoshi well not that much but you know we know that kiyoshi is one of ang's past lives
1: um which ang knows mm -hmm. which i'm assuming is kind of like how in the past episode where he's like that's avatar riku the avatar before me i think it's like he just kind of knows that that's kiyoshi um and, yeah, so he sort of gets out of it. He, like, airbends, and they're like, oh, my God, the Avatar. And I think, like, the way, I think the way the, the town sort of comes to life, essentially, like, you know, they're, like, cleaning up the village, and they're, like, um, touching up, like, the Kiyoshi statue, like, I think is maybe, like, a little emblematic of, like, how the Avatar, like, is supposed to, like, inspire hope. I know yeah. I'm taking it, like, a little too far, but, like, no, no. that's that's what, that's what what i read it as is like he like essentially invigorated this town you know to like you know just be more hopeful i kind of
0: shows like the impact of the avatar role in this world you know kind of like you know oh the avatar is here like we can all feel better now kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know yeah kiyoshi has become like a fan favorite actually since this show aired even though we haven't really i mean like yeah we see more of kiyoshi later but i mean there is two books about her now which we will talk about I also got to say, like, just a little touch on Kiyoshi here. Like, she's kind of become, like, the Chuck Norris of the Avatar fandom. <laughs> like... She really has. <laughs> you know, a snake once bit Kiyoshi, and after, like, three days of agonizing pain, the
1: snake died, you know? Yeah.
0: Or, like, honestly, let's replace Chuck Norris with Kiyoshi. Chuck Norris is racist. Let's go with Kyoshi. okay?
1: I would 100% agree. The cultural conversation now needs to revolve around Kiyoshi. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we need to make it you know we need to shame people to stop using Chuck doors as an example um but we also get the introduction of of the iconic foaming mouth guy
2: yes <laughs> which, is like,
1: which is like just like top tier avatar for me which is i think also the voice actor voiced by either brian or mike
0: yeah one of them I've i want to say again. brian well, yeah. actually, another f- interesting fact about a uh, foaming mouth guy. They're actually supposed to put a foaming mouth girl in Legend of Korra during one of the pro bending matches is like one of the crowd members. Um, oh. And uh, they ended up like scrapping the idea. I think they didn't. Why? Want to about, but...
1: That would have been so funny. <sighs> I
0: think they were. Try- I think they're trying to like not uh, like put too much.
1: Too many. I think they like drew the line at Cabbage Corp. Like, yeah. I think that's Ooh, when they were, like, okay. That was, like, a little gratuitous. But,
0: you know, what? we got one more. Not my cabbages, you know. like <laughs> Not least my cabbage got...
1: corp. No, I think <sighs> that was done well. I think if they wanted to do Foaming Mouth Girl, that would have been.
0: I would have been fine with Foaming Mouth Girl, you know. Yeah. I mean, I use Foaming Mouth guys in reaction gif all the time. And Andre told me reached used 110, like, plays on our last episode.
1: That's the gif I sent to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I do like, like, how they did, like, the, um like the pro-bending like cosplayers instead i that just was thought cute that was cute yeah, it was it's like
0: cute. it's kind of like, like the fans of the show in the audience almost you know yeah
1: but um but getting back to the episode the word slowly spreads or actually quickly spreads um to zuko and i just wanted to point out the um the music in this particular scene of, of this montage of people talking about the Avatar coming back because it's it's very upbeat and happy. And then as it gets closer to Zuko, Zuko, it becomes more Fire Nation-Y and a Ooh, little more dissonant. I and it, it happens very seamlessly. I'm just like, yes, Mr. Zuckerman, you did that. That was very good. <laughs> um awesome. so like in the meat of the episode, like the gang, they're like they're treated like honored guests, like Aang is a celebrity and you know fan club and everything (laughs) fan club and everything and saka goes into you know the kiyoshi warrior like studio or dojo or whatever and um he's like you know i'm like the warrior of my town and like i don't think you could like handle like my moves um and suki beats him like with no effort whatsoever
0: i mean like she baited him into fighting her you know like she like you said the right things to get saka to like you know challenge her kind of thing basically and then knocked him on his ass.
1: Yeah, and yeah, Suki's playing along with it. She's like, oh, really? You must have been like so brave and strong. And like <laughs> Sokka's just like not getting any of it. He's like, nuance, don't know her. Sarcasm, don't know her. She's like, yeah, I'm pretty good at fighting. Um, yeah, and just gets knocked flat on his ass, which I just love. Because I think that's it. the only way for his character to like get like understand like just how terrible he's being, like just how sexist he's being. Um yeah. but yeah, but that whole that whole arc with him learning, and also like putting on like the dress and the makeup and everything. Like, I think that's a big deal to show a male character, um, do that and be reverent and respectful of it because it's just it's not it's not just dressing up in a dress and makeup. It's it's a tradition for for those Kyoshi warriors.
0: She even explains, buddy, to the. Articles of the outfit actually mean, and then Saka yeah. says ends up straight and says bravery and honor, you know, repeating what she said, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, there's a little joke with Aang like, "Hey, Saka, nice dress," and then it kind of deflates a little bit. Which, like, hey,
1: which you know, the first time I was like, "Oh, why do they do that?" Because then it was like it made a joke, but the second time I read it more as like, I don't think Aang I, was I think Ang was just complimenting him, and I thought I think Saka was just self conscious, like I don't think he wanted to see his friends like that. Like,
0: his friends to see him like
1: that yeah yeah I don't think he wanted that so that that was my read of it the second time so yeah I just thought that was I thought that was a pretty big deal I don't know and he also fights in it as well he's like the fans too he stay yeah and he stays with it for the the rest of the episode I thought that was really cool
0: that is really cool and,
1: and he also like apologizes too
0: that's huge like he literally like humbles himself before before like kneels on the ground
1: before her and he also like I'm jumping a little ahead here um he also like he apologizes but like not in the right way like he apologizes when they're they're getting attacked by zuko and he apologizes to suki by saying you know i i treated you like a girl when i should have been treating you like a warrior and suki says i am a warrior but i'm also a girl and i was just like i love that so much like it's so important to have kids be exposed to that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like i'm a feminist because of avatar there you go like thank you avatar for making me a feminist <laughs> snaps <laughs> i snap a lot guys
2: <laughs>
0: um yeah and so you know meanwhile, all as this episodes going on like Aang's trying to get guitar's attention car guitar is not interested uh he's even trying to get some sort of attention, even like getting some sort of concern from Katara, just being like, he's like, okay, we're we'll gonna ride the Unagi now. And she's like, Okay, have fun. And he's like, It should be too dangerous. She's like, Okay. Yeah. Have fun.
1: Which is um, again such a such a like middle school thing to do. Oh, yeah. Like, especially like when there there is some sort of like fondness and you get into like those arguments and you're just like, Fine, fine. I don't fine. care. I don't care. Yeah.
0: I mean, not to say there aren't arguments like that later in the show. Let's be real here. They're a bunch of But it's kiddos. very realistic. They're kids. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're kids. Um, and so he goes out to the water to wait for the Unagi to show up, doesn't show up. Guitar shows up on the beach, he's like, Hey, you're here, and she's like, Hey, I just want to make sure you didn't do anything stupid. You're kinda you know, it's like, yeah, it's kinda of like a jerk, and then he's just like, Yeah, you were a jerk, you know. Yeah. They reconcile from, you know, across the water and then the Unagi shows up. And Katara saves his life and does some pretty badass water bending to propel them back to shore. Like she's been practicing a little bit. Like
1: shoo- I know, I know, which it's I mean, cool. like yeah, I feel like if it was if it was done today, people would be calling her Mary Sue. Um, but you know, it's Ooh. they they show her practicing throughout the episode. Like she is, she has been practicing her water bending. Um, yeah, that's really cool. And then Zuko shows up with the soldiers, and they're riding you, rhino things. Yeah, you were asking like, are they just like? Rhinos, or are they like camel rhinos or like whatever? Like, because like the animals are like hybrids, they seem also to be like, like just regular rhinos. I
0: wanted to make like, a joke about like, you know, is it like a platypus bear, or you know, like the, the joke with like a oh, the yeah. bear, the earth, it King just says nope, it's bear. Just, just a bear,
1: <laughs> maybe that isn't. I mean, like the penguins in episode one, I think they were just penguins,
0: they were, yeah, they were just penguins,
1: like they weren't like <laughs> koala penguins or something, <laughs> you know, like I mean,
0: a little bit like koalas, a little bit. If you're looking for it, <laughs> well, I mean, I,
1: I don't know. I guess if you have hybrid species, I guess you have saber-toothed
0: have... moose lion.
2: Yes. Yeah, like, exactly.
1: I guess. Like... Yeah. Like, I guess if you do have those hybrids, I guess you have to start with like the animals separately. I don't know. No, we're not <laughs> thinking weird... about
0: animals. No, stuff it! Up. <laughs> do not put the thoughts in my head. Honest trailers so already
1: did. All right, quick. That was. A hard left turn.
0: Hard left turn. Let's take go back into Kyoshi Island here.
1: Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the Fire
0: Nation shows up. Or Fire Nation Zuko shows up.
1: Kyoshi warriors attack, and I think also Saka has I think learned a thing or two from Suki, um, and holds his own. I just wonder if Zuko recognizes Sokka. I don't. He's wearing I,
0: makeup, and he probably thinks he's one of the Kyoshi warriors with a shorter haircut.
1: And also, he only saw Sokka for like a brief second on his ship. so like probably doesn't know what he looks like but i always just wondered when i was watching that i was like do they does he recognize them i don't know um but then you know ang shows up defends the village we get a little fight between him and zuko and i never fans too he uses the fans which is really cool i i remember that that move in particular like when i had the dvd set um there was a behind the scenes with like the martial artists that that designed all the bending and he was like there was a, a video where he was like he wasn't teaching the move, but like they kept showing him do the move, and he was talking about how he was like using um, different influences with like the fans and everything, and like how they wanted to incorporate that into the episode. So I thought that was really cool.
0: That is really cool. I mean, I never really considered fans being a good weapon until I sh- saw this show. Wait, 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 wait. Never mind. I saw I saw Mulan. Mulan uses a fan to take down. No, literally catches a
1: whole ass sword
0: with
2: a fan.
0: <laughs> with Okay, yeah. all right. I'm ashamed now, but like, I mean, I'd never seen spans <laughs> being used in this kind Shame. of way. You know, not just to catch sword. You know, to like,
1: psh, psh. yeah. Now you can't bring your family honor. Um, <laughs> honor.
0: Yeah. Honor. So much. you know, honestly, if anyone like, if you have any dedicated fans enough out there, we should just like just edit some of like edits of my sound effects that I've been making into the show. <laughs> like, psh, psh,
2: yeah. Airbending <laughs> slice. <laughs>
1: We just do an entire dub <laughs> of the episode, but all the sound effects are just <laughs> us making like, like the fire is just like, <sighs> like. <laughs> 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 what? Oh god! <laughs> this is how you know we're getting late into the episode. We're we're I'm struggling tired. to stay on topic, but <laughs> I mean the rest of the episode is pretty straightforward. You know, Aang saves the day with the unagi. Um, the only like last point I wanted to make was that, um, Zuko doesn't um i don't i we talked about this in uh, two episodes ago but like he's very selective in his collateral damage like i think he's like fine with like setting a couple buildings on fire but he never like kills anyone or, you like, know burns the
0: entire bu- village to the ground on purpose kind of thing
1: like yeah he doesn't he doesn't like he's like burn this place to the ground like he doesn't do that no. um but the village does take quite a hit and Angus is sort of like you know i kind of did this you know like And I think that's that realization after the whole episode of him being celebritized as the avatar. And I think that's him realizing like his position does carry not only a weight and an influence, but also a danger to the people around him. Mm -hmm. So um, you know what that is growth. (laughs) You know what that is growth? Yeah. Love that. Um, And then, yeah, like you have anything else for this
0: episode? I think I've said just about everything I can say right now. I think the yeah. is starting to kick in.
1: Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's get move, on to the fandom corner. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to fandom corner. This week, uh, we have another theory for you guys. This is from Chris on an Avatar Facebook group. Um, he writes, Do you guys think Hama is an ancestor of Tarlock and Noah Talk? That's you know, Councilman Tarlock and Noah Talk slash Amon from Legend of Korra, in case mm-hmm. y'all forgot. But what do you what do you think? Do you do you think do you think there might be some, you know, relation? Yeah,
0: honestly. I think I mean if Hama had siblings that would be you know that would also be a possibility but also I mean I wouldn't peg Hama as like a starting a family type but also like I mean imagine if she was though imagine if she did start family because she was pretty old when Katara and you know the rest of them meet her so I wonder you know like I mean what that could have done to her family like her own family she made and she started when you know after being taken away from her home. I mean, look at what happened to Yakone's family, you know, like and his family with bloodbending. Maybe because the rest of her family left, maybe that's why she was so determined to teach Katara how to bloodbend, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm more I'm more thinking about how like the the lineage of like bloodbending in particular, like it's kind of implied like these special abilities are in some way not not really genetic, but like kind of sp- beer ritual and I don't think think genetics
0: helps honestly I
1: I think genetics may help but like it's kind of like how Bolin couldn't figure out metal bending but he could figure out lava bending like even though metal bending is increased on a scale in Legend of Korra because Toph started that metal bending academy and she purposefully you know taught that skill to a wide variety of people and they went and those people taught it to their friends and their kids or whatever Um, but like this bloodbending thing, like bloodbending seems like a far more obvious skill than metal bending. So I feel like like the first time we see it, I think I think people must have tried it before Hama. You know? Like I don't think it was widespread because I think I think if people were practicing it, I think for one thing they kept it they kept it very uh under wraps because they didn't want it used against them. Or they realize that they could do it and and realize that it poses a, a very uh, significant problem in terms of like ethics and like whatever. I'm assuming a lot because we don't really know a whole lot about the origins of, of bloodbending. But it's it's just a question of like how does bloodbending, the word of bloodbending, like the concept of it get passed around in this world? Like where did Yakone hear of it? It seemed like because Katara outlawed it in Republic City that more people seem to know about it and maybe that's how Yukone knew. I don't really know. But is there is there relation? Possibly. I'm just wondering I like be in surprised. terms of surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, but but obviously the bloodbending they do in Legend of Korra is, is a whole other level, not even needing psychic. to use a full moon and also psychic. yeah it's it's psychic. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that's well crazy. Only for Yukon and Amon. I think Tarlac didn't get the, the psychic part of it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I don't know. Good theory. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so we're just about wrapping up here. Um, If you feel like we missed something in our discussion today, or maybe you disagree with a theory, or you just want to suggest topics for us to discuss in the future, we want to hear from you. You can email us directly again at theavatarhourpodcast at gmail.com, or you can follow us at Facebook at The Avatar Hour Podcast, Instagram at The Avatar Hour Podcast, or Twitter at Avatar Hour. And if you would like to follow us personally, you can follow me on Twitter at heyitsunderscoreAndre.
0: You can find me at Kayla underscore underscore Gagnon. And thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate it. We appreciate all the shares, the love, all that stuff. So thank you again for all the support so far. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I'm totally.
2: Kayla.
1: <laughs> I'm Andre. All right. I'll see you next time. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Um, Yeah, so they arrived at the temple, the temple, they arrive at the
2: temple, (laughs) (laughs) do that again.